Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Well, it is the last Sunday of 2019. We made it. We made it through the year. It's also Family Sunday, so kids, if you haven't grabbed one of these bags yet, make sure you get one of these. They're full of fun uh, stuff to do to keep you occupied while I'm up here, up, while I'm up here speaking. So um, if you're not a kid but you need something to keep you awake, these bags are great. <laughs> I, I do have to point out, though, that it is mere coincidence that these are highlighter neon green. This has nothing to do with a game that's going on later today. It's just pure coincidence. So don't read into it too much that I'm holding one of these up on the stage. <laughs> Naomi. <laughs> well, I, I'm so grateful to be here with you today. So glad to see all of you here. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas with family and friends. Uh, not only is today the last Sunday of 2019, but it's the last Sunday of a decade. It's the last Sunday of the 2010s. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And I'm actually pretty honored to be up here today, so thank you, Pastor Dwayne, for letting me preach the last message of a decade. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> today is also actually the official fifth day of Christmas. So if you're familiar with that song, The 12 Days of Christmas, today is day five. Did any of you get your five golden rings yet? No? I wouldn't worry about it too much. They're probably just waiting until later this evening. Just, just keep on them. Five golden rings coming your way. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but there's a lot of birds in that, in that song. A lot of them. Like partridges, turtle doves, French hens, calling birds, swans are swimming, geese are laying. It's a lot of birds. I'm a curious type person, and so I wanted to know how many birds are actually given throughout the, the length of the song, and I added them up. So it's 184 birds. <laughs> Maybe I missed it. But I don't remember Lindsay telling me she wanted 184 loud, pooping animals for Christmas. <laughs> did I miss that? Okay, I didn't think I did. I'm usually pretty attentive. But 184 birds, that's a lot. And I'm not quite sure why those birds are given in this song. I, I look back at the history of it a little bit, and uh, all I could really find is that it was probably used for memory, to, to kind of pull up for, for kids to, to help remember things. But 184 birds is a lot. And I, I assume that that's probably why the five golden rings are given, to make up for the birds. Um, but at any rate, what's, what's kind of amazing to me is that every line in the song, every new line starts the same way. On the blank day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. And I'm confident that Lindsay would probably still call me her true love if I gave her 184 birds, but that still kind of stood out to me. Why does this person call the giver of these gifts my true love when maybe those aren't the kind of gifts that we would typically associate with, uh, with somebody who loves us? And, and the only thing that really made sense to me is that the, the receiver of the gifts has a sense of gratitude for the gifts that are being given. They have a gratitude for what's being given to them, uh, and, and gratitude is, is an interesting thing. It's the difference between being joyful for what you have in your life or being envious of what somebody else has in their life. 
It's, it's the difference between um, being, being happy with and content with where you're at or constantly wanting more and, and searching after more. The gratitude is a big difference maker in our lives. Pastor and author John Ortberg said this about gratitude. He said it's the ability to experience life as a gift. It liberates us from the prison of self-preoccupation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this to say about gratitude, that it, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Gratitude's a big deal. Gratitude's actually scientifically proven to give health benefits. And if you read through the Bible, gratitude is promised to, to give rewards and, and to bring blessings into our lives. Gra gratitude is, is more than just a feeling, though. Gratitude think, takes the feeling of thankfulness and puts it into action. It takes that feeling of thankfulness and puts it into action. And the resulting action of gratitude is generosity. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Making generosity more than just a once-a-year holiday tradition by allowing it to become a way of life for us. Before we dive in, let me explain that, that generosity without gratitude is self-serving. That generosity without gratitude is often short-lived and rooted in a sense of obligation or guilt. And maybe some of you have experienced that. But when we start with gratitude, when we allow ourselves to start with a, from a place of gratitude in our lives, generosity comes from a mindset of abundance. And it becomes a cycle of gratitude that fuels generosity, which fuels more gratitude, which fuels more generosity, and the cycle goes on. The University of Notre Dame did a study about, uh, they actually have an entire department devoted to the research of generosity. And what they found is pretty, pretty incredible. Probably not all that surprising, but they found that people who are generous are often happier, they're healthier, they're less depressed, they have lower blood pressure, they have reduced stress, longer lifespans, better moods, better marriages, and more friends. How many of you guys need a better mood? And don't start elbowing your neighbor. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> but as much as I appreciate the, the research done by the University of Notre Dame, I think many of you could probably read this list behind me and think, well, that's kind of what the Bible already teaches us, right? They're really just confirming what the Bible teaches us about generosity. And one of the, the best all-time passages about generosity is found in Luke chapter 6. And in this passage... In these verses, Jesus kind of sums up, this is what a follower of mine should look like. He kind of lays it out in front of us. And there are three things that I want to pull out today from this passage. And the first one is this, that the reward of generosity is a rich life. Now, I hope you're not done accepting Christmas gifts yet because in your, uh, your, your brochures today, you've got a listening guide and it's a fill in the blank. It's my gift to you. To fill in the blank. <laughs> but the first thing is that a reward, the reward of generosity is a rich life. It's a life that's rich in joy. It is a richer life experience. 
And we're going to start out today by taking a look at verse 38 in Luke chapter 6. And this is going to be our central verse today. We're going to back up a little bit, bring a little bit of context into it. But everything that we're going to be talking about today is going to be anchored right here in this verse 38. So let's read this together. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. We're going to be anchored right there in that passage today. And that sounds a lot like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said earlier. It's almost like he had read this verse before or something. He had some inspiration. But what does this actually mean? What does this verse actually mean? Give and it will be given to you. And the portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Many of you are probably familiar with this, this verse. It's probably one of the more well-known verses in the Bible. But I would say it's probably also one of the most misused, misapplied verses in the Bible. And I, and I want to put your mind at ease because Pastor Duane didn't ask me, the youth pastor, to get up here today and preach a message about tithes and offerings. That's not what this is, okay? It's not what this is at all. Because this, this passage is about so much more than what we, we sometimes narrow it down to. This passage uh, isn't about making anyone feel guilty about uh, overspending, maxing out your credit cards on Christmas gifts. I hope you didn't do that, but if you did, I'm not here today to bring guilt upon you. This, this passage really becomes crystal clear when we look at verse 37. But one of the most common mistakes that people make about this verse is assuming that Jesus is talking only about finances. That Jesus is talking only about financial giving. And sure, yeah, that's, don't get me wrong, that is a part of this. That is a part of a, a, a generous life. But at, Jesus is actually revealing a principle to us that should apply to every single area of our lives. A principle of generosity. So let's take a look at what comes right before this in verse 37. It says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And then right after that, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. So we can see that this, this is about so much more than just a financial generosity. In context, the generosity mentioned in verse 38 isn't primarily about giving money. It's just about giving, period. About generosity, period. Giving kindness, even when someone has been mean to you. Giving forgiveness, even when you feel like holding a grudge. Giving understanding, Instead of condemnation, Jesus is saying in this passage, whatever you do has a reciprocal reaction unto you. Whatever you give out returns back to you. Now, I'm not talking today about karma. That's a completely different belief system. Completely different belief system. Just because you have something difficult going on in your life does not necessarily mean that you've done something to deserve it. In fact, Jesus even promises us that we will have troubles in our lives, that it will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. What this does mean is that all things being equal, you reap what you sow. 
If you sow anger and unforgiveness and judgment, then what are you going to receive? Anger and unforgiveness and judgment. If you're generous, compassionate, giving, forgiving, then that's how others will treat you in good portion, packed down, shaken together, overflowing. The portion you give will determine the portion that you receive in return. This principle kind of reminds me of going to a Mongolian grill. Is anybody familiar with what I'm talking about here? Going to a Mongolian grill. Um, They give you a, a bowl, and it's your job to go through the buffet, this buffet line of raw ingredients, and pack as much into this bowl as you can. Okay? As much as you can. So if you're a professional eater, or you just like to get the most for your money, you know that by the time you get to that, that counter for them to cook it all for you, if you don't have noodles and broccoli falling off the side, you're probably doing something wrong. It's this idea of, of packed down, of shaken together, overflowing. Now, I'm a, kind of a, a kinesthetic learner. I, I like to touch things and feel things and experience things, but I thought it might be kind of gross to bring raw chicken and vegetables up here today. So I did something different. I decided to go to the Alderwood Mall, and they've got a, a candy store in there. And I, I applied the same principle to this jar of, uh, of gummy bears. And so I went in there, and, and these, these jars are fun because it's a flat rate. And as much as you can pack into a jar is what you get for the price. Same kind of same principle. Let's pack as much as I can in there because I'm going to pay the same regardless. And so I put some gummy bears in there, and I pressed it down. And I put some gummy bears in there, and I shook it around so that they filled in all the little gaps. And I pressed it down again. I put some more in. And it just repeated the process until Lindsay's like, Sean, come on, we got to go. <laughs> and I struggled to get the lid on. <laughs> and and that's, that's kind of what, what we're talking about today, this idea of, of this pressed down, this shaking together, this overflowing. I love gummy bears. Does anybody else here love gummy bears? It's like, oh, man, it's one of my weaknesses. I love gummy bears. So, kids, if you have your activity pack today, I want you to look inside of it because one of you has a gummy bear that looks like this. It's a golden ticket. (laughs) You have a gummy bear that looks like this. And if you have that, this whole jar is yours. This whole jar is yours, okay? Does anybody have it? All right, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. I'm going to put it right down here. If you, do, if you don't get it before the end, just go ahead and come down here and get it. If I hold on to it, it'll be gone. So I don't want to do that. Now, Jesus didn't have a Mongolian grill. Hey, where are you going with those gummy bears? No, just <laughs> now, Jesus didn't have a Mongolian grill. Jesus didn't have a, a candy store down the, sto- down the street. But it sure sounds like in this passage, he's referencing something that the people he's speaking to would be familiar with. And the truth is that that's exactly what he's doing. He's referencing something that the people he's speaking to would be very familiar with. He was referring to something that's mentioned three different times in the Old Testament, and this is what it was. When farmers would would harvest their fields, they were to leave the corners of their fields unharvested. They would leave the corner of their fields unharvested, kind of like you see in that picture there. And the purpose of this was so that the poor could come and gather grain. So they could come and gather what was left in that corner of the field. 
some of the people who gathered those, those leftover grains and, and produce probably walked long distances to get there, and however much they could fit into their, their pots or baskets or, or bags that they brought with them, that's the amount of food that would be available to their family. So they literally had life and death reason to pack their bag as full as they possibly could, to press it down, to shake it together, to fill it to overflowing. As we look further in the verse, it says, overflowing into your lap. And that word that we, we translate as, as lap is the Greek word kolpon. And what it actually means is the fold that an undergarment makes as it hangs over the girdle. Kind of makes a pocket. And that's exactly what they would use it for. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing into your kolpon, your lap. So it's almost an extra pocket they would carry things home with them in. And that's why Jesus used these terms in verse 38. He knew that his people would instantly understand his reference. The point is that as a rule, you get back exactly what you give. But you actually get back way more than you give. And remember that this applies to every kind of generosity. If you give judgment, you'll receive judgment. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, and filling your pockets. But I gave you the bad news first, because the good news is if you give... Love and understanding and compassion, Jesus says, generally speaking, that's what will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, and filling your pockets. It's important to remember, however, that Jesus isn't trying to give us the formula. This is very important. Jesus isn't trying to give us the formula for getting more stuff. That's not what this passage is about at all. It's not about getting stuff. He's trying to give us a vision for giving more. He's trying to get us to catch the vision for giving more generously. And yeah, there are rewards for sure. If you read through the Bible, it, it definitely speaks of rewards. But that's not the point. Those are not to be our primary motivators for generosity. It's just a cool side effect from a generous God. If my dad was a basketball player, the cool side effect is I get to go to basketball games, right? Right? But that's just a side effect. The blessings are a side effect, not the primary reason. So what should be our number one motivation for generosity? Well, let's back up a little bit further in Luke 6 to verse 32. And Jesus says, if you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to those who... Lend, uh, even sinners lend expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. And you will be acting the way that children of the Most High act. For he is kind to ungrateful and wicked, wicked people. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. During that time that Jesus was ministering, the people were under the oppression of the Roman government. And the Roman government, the Romans were very, very good at what they did. And the reason why they were so successful in many of their conquests is that they would take some of the, their, their customs and, and inject them into the society that they were, they were oppressing. And so what happens over time is, is you begin to look more and act more like a Roman, and the Romans start to look less and less like the enemies. 
And they were very, very good at what they did. But the Romans had a term called liberalitas. And this term meant giving to please the recipient in hopes that the recipient will return the favor. This is something that the people Jesus was speaking to were very familiar with. In other words, only giving to those who can repay you or only being generous to those who have the capacity to return the favor. In fact, the Roman government went so far with this that they stamped, you can see up there, they stamped on the back of some of the, the gold and bronze and silver coins the word liberalitas. And the Roman governors would go around tossing out coins to people, liberalitas, liberalitas. But they would only pass them out to the people who, that they, who they knew could return the favor. So this was a very prevalent mindset about generosity. And that's the exact kind of generosity that Jesus was speaking out against. In the kingdom of Jesus, you give knowing that you may never get it back. You give without even thinking if this person deserves your generosity. In the kingdom of Jesus, you give no matter what someone can do for you or even what they have done to you. In fact, look how far Jesus takes this as we back up again into verse 34. It says, even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way that the children of the Most High act, for he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So what Jesus is really saying here is, is the reason for generosity is simply to be like our Father. It's simply to be like our Father. Give to people who don't deserve it. Give to people who have wronged you because that's how God is. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. And 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live honorably among the unbelievers. Today they defame you as if you were doing evil, but in the day when God visits to judge, they will glorify him because they have observed your honorable deeds. And we don't put on a show to draw undue attention to ourselves because that brings God no glory. There is a big game tonight, and I was tempted to wear my 49ers stuff, and I'm proud of my 49ers stuff. But what glory does that bring God this morning? It brings distraction. Not that you're distracting. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but bringing undue attention to ourselves doesn't bring God glory. But living a life of generosity brings God much glory and praise. And I love this quote from Pastor Matt Chandler. I'm going to invite the band up. And Matt Chandler says that generosity is grace made visible. Is grace made visible. Now, I want to encourage you today that this, this, this message isn't one of, of correction. If you read through the New Testament, you see Paul write letters to churches. Some of them are, are, are letters of encouragement. Some are letters of correction. And this message today is, is far from a letter of correction. If I can share from my heart, I believe that Shoreline Community Church is one of the most generous churches I've ever seen. Amen. One of the most generous churches I've ever seen. And I can, I can express that from my heart because of the way that you've surrounded Lindsay and I while we've gone through this journey to become parents, to start our family. You've been generous with your kindness. You've been generous with your, com your, your compassion. You've been generous with your prayers. You've been generous with your support of us. 
been generous in so many ways, and, and I see the same thing as, as I see you greeting one another, as I see someone coming off the streets that's, been, that's coming in for the first time, and you treat them like family. That's generosity. And so this isn't a, a message of, of correction. I hope it's a message of encouragement to keep doing many of the things that you're doing. But I believe it's also a message of challenge. Because even if Shoreline Community Church is the most generous church in Shoreline, or even if they're the most generous church in Washington, or they're the most generous church in the Pacific Northwest, the, the truth is that we don't measure ourselves against the other churches, but against the generosity of God. And he's always going to be 25,000 steps ahead of us, right? Because we can't match that generosity that, that Jesus poured out for us on the cross. It's undeserved. We can never deserve it. We can never earn it. We can never do enough. And he doesn't want us to. He wants us to rest in him. But we respond by living lives that are generous and compassionate and caring. So as we close, I have a couple questions for you to reflect on. Just a couple. The first one is, what is something in my life that I can express gratitude for, to for God today? Gratitude to God for today. And for some of you, coming through this holiday season, you might read that and you're like, oh, I got a whole list of stuff. But for some of you, it might be difficult to think of something in your life right now to express gratitude for God for. Maybe you've gone through a difficult season. Maybe you've gone through a difficult decade. <laughs> and I think back to that song that we sang right before, right during, during the offering time, that, that he gives life, that he gives love, that he brings light into our darkness that he gives you the breath in your lungs. And maybe today that's all you can think of to be grateful for, that you're here in this place and you've got breath in your lungs. Find something that you can express gratitude to God for, to, to God for today. The second question is, how can my generosity better reflect my gratitude so that my life better reflects my Father in heaven? That's really all what all of this is about is becoming more and more like Jesus, transformed into his image. So how can my generosity better reflect my gratitude so that my life better reflects my Father in heaven? And while you're pondering those questions, or maybe when you're done thinking about them, I encourage you to visit one of the prayer teams that's, that's going to move to the side. I encourage you to, to respond by going to the prayer and praise walls. Maybe writing down that thing of gratitude that you have. Or maybe reflecting upon something that's been going on in your life and, and you're writing down a prayer. Or coming up and, and, and partaking in communion. A reflection of the generous nature of God. As Jesus poured out his very life for us on the cross so that we might have forgiveness and an opportunity to stand before God and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So let me pray. Jesus, we're just so grateful for your generosity. Lord, as much as we can talk about the areas in our lives that, that Lord, we may be generous, and I believe that there are so many here that are, 
Lord, in comparison to you, we all fall short. And Lord, I pray that as we enter into not only a new year, but a new decade, that Lord, we would see, Lord, a new level of generosity in our lives. Not merely financial, although I believe some, sometimes you call us to that. But Lord, a generosity and kindness, a generosity and understanding, a generosity and compassion. Lord, I pray that you would just move and speak to us as we open our hearts and our ears to you today. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.